0: us online. I'm, my name is Steven and I'm the pastor and it's a blessing to all be together. If you're here present, God bless you as well. It is great to gather despite all the things that are happening in our world. Um, you know, it's a, it's a weird time, isn't it? A lot of weird things happening. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday for many churches around the world. Uh, remembering and asking the Lord for relief from abortion in our nation and our world. And so we're going to pray right now. And we're going to ask the Lord, the King of Kings, that he would preserve our babies. That's, that's what it's about. So we're just going to ask the Lord to preserve our babies. Will you pray with me? Father, we need you. Lord, our nation needs you. Our world needs you. And people have fallen into the lie that man is not made in the image of God. That we're just a bag and a sack of, of meat. Lord, that we don't matter except that our personality comes out eventually and we have thoughts and people can contribute things someday when they're active. But Father, we've bought into this lie that the little babies that can't fend for themselves, that the elderly even, who are struggling and maybe have lost their ability to think for themselves in some cases, that they don't matter anymore. Lord, your people matter. Lord, they matter because you created them and you made them in your image. And so, Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus, forgive us. Lord, forgive us as a nation for our sin of abortion. Lord, forgive us as a world for not loving people the way that you've instructed us to. Help us, God, we pray, to be ambassadors of your life and your resurrection everywhere we go. Lord, I pray that the the good news of the gospel would be a relief and a blessing to people all around the world. Father, that everyone would know your name, that everyone would know your life, and, Father, that your resurrection power would flow through us, your people, to bring your light, your life, and your way to everyone on the earth, Father. Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, help us. Lord, help St. Louis, Missouri, that we would be a shining gem in your crown, God, to look like you and act like you in every way we pray. In Jesus' name amen. Thank you for praying with me. Let me ask you a question. I'm just, you don't have this rhetorical. You don't have to answer. Um, You know, I I just prayed, uh, but it had some political things in it, didn't it? Oh, first of all, Olson family, great to see you. Hey guys, we love you. It's good to see you. I saw you before. Before I get all serious here, I just wanted to say hello. You know, (laughs) hey, it's great to see you. We love you. We've missed you. Thanks for driving up and wearing masks and being a part. You mean so much to us. It's good to. Re- it's really great to see you. Um, okay, as I'm praying this prayer about abortion, it has political things in it. Uh, did anybody, and this is rhetorical, feel this like Ooh! kind of feeling as we're praying the prayer? Have you ever gotten to discussions lately, especially where you start talking to somebody and you're talking about? Um, innocuous things you're talking about Thanksgiving or Christmas or you're talking about how your dog ate the leg of the couch or something and Suddenly some kind of political thing comes up or something with any controversy and all of a sudden the this the situation gets Much more tense as you try to feel each other out You're sort of throwing out words to see where does this person lie without so fully disclosing my cards of where I'm at and are we going to be friends or Is this going to be a a difficult discussion, or a good discussion, or what's the point? What are we doing here? Or maybe you've been on Facebook and you haven't commented, but you've seen the hundreds of comments on somebody who said something that really was unrelated, and all of a sudden it becomes into this debate in the comments. We live in a weird time. We live in a weird time where you can't say things straight because people are offended all over the place. We live in a time where you seemingly have to walk on eggshells, whichever party you are or whatever you believe, because people seem to not be able to talk together. It's weird, isn't it? It's not a good thing. What do you do in those situations? Mike told us this morning and reminded us from the Word of God that we should remember the oaths of the Lord and what He's done. Did you know it's so easy sometimes to get wrapped up into the kingdoms of this world that we forget about the kingdom of heaven? Isn't it funny how we can know the promises of political people, especially in this era and this time, especially with a new government coming and all these kind of things, and we're thinking about and analyzing and wondering, and at the same time, we're being reminded by God Himself to come back to His Word, to remember what He said, to remember His promises, to remember what He said, His oaths, remember the covenant and come back. That sounds like Him, doesn't it? We're supposed to come to the kingdom first. It's weird right now, though, because as we talk, it seems like there's so many pitfalls, we're not sure exactly how to navigate that. I don't have three points that I can tell you. If you just talk about these three things, you're going to be fine. The reality is the pitfalls are real. They're going to happen whether you want them to or not. They're going to come out of left field with people you didn't expect, and people are very emotional about them. Take, for instance, a vaccine or wearing a mask or driving with a mask on. Have you, people have strong opinions about whether or not, if you're sitting alone in your car, you should wear a mask. That's an interesting thing, alone in your car and wearing a mask. Have you seen somebody doing that? Have you seen somebody yet try to take a drink with their mask on in their car? It is drama, I will tell you. It is drama. God bless them. But these are things six months ago, maybe we were thinking about it. A year ago, not even on our radar, right? And now... People have strong opinions about all these things. Interesting time. And strong opinions about things that are sometimes really big and important and sometimes not so much. But boy, if you bring Jesus into it, or if you bring politics into it, it's going to be very strong. That's a strange time to live in. Let's turn together to the book of John. John chapter 1. The book of John is a wonderful gospel. When I say gospel, there's the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus, his perfect life. God became a man for us. He lived perfectly. After his perfect life, he went to the cross and died a traitor's death, taking upon himself the wrath of God for sin, for disobedience, for our rebellion against God. He became the traitor and dying in our place that we are, And so rather than us going to death as a traitor, as one who had fallen short of the glory of God, as someone who had disobeyed him, as a sinful people who had gone against God's character, instead Jesus Christ goes to the cross, though innocent, as a lamb to be slaughtered. He dies on the cross for us. You know, we say often he died for our sins. He died to cleanse us of God's wrath. He died to take away the sin. He didn't die for sin. He died for you. He died for us. That we would be his people and that the impediment of sin that holds us back from a holy God would be dealt with by God's own justice from his wrath and sin. And then he rose to life again. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He is life. He is peace. He is all of it. And now the Bible tells us that those who believe in him that by faith if you trust him if you bow the knee to him and say Lord I love you and I'll follow you I want my life to be yours he saves us from all that junk makes us a new creation in him and dwells us by his spirit and we have communion with God and a hope that one day as he rose we will be raised and we will have bodies like his and live forever because we belong to him. That's a good hope, isn't it? That's the gospel. When we talk about in the Bible, the gospel according to John or the gospel according to Matthew, the gospels are the account of Jesus' life and what, he's talk, what it's the story for everyone to be recounted so people know what's going on about him and can hear the good news of the gospel. So in the gospel of John, here we have this guy who is uh, telling us about Jesus and he has a major point that he wants to get across. And his major point is that Jesus Christ is, is God. He is the Lord. And that all those things that I just mentioned in the gospel matter so much because it's God himself, Emmanuel, God with us who came to earth, who saves us from sin. And in John chapter 1, he tells us right away in the very beginning that the Lord, the Word, he was God, and then he became flesh and walked among us. And right at verse 19, he starts talking about this other guy who's on the scene named John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is famous He's Jesus' cousin, actually. You remember from, we just had all the Christmas stories, that Elizabeth, who is um, Mary's relative, is with child, and an angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be so exciting. And Mary goes and visits, and when Mary visits, who is carrying baby Jesus, inside Elizabeth, even this baby John leaps for joy. And God has his hand on John from the very early time of his life, even while he's in the womb. So John is born, and John uh, does not disappoint to be an exciting figure. He's not what everybody expects, though. He's in the wilderness. He's calling out this message. Now, there's no internet. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no streaming. There's no uh, viral things. But in the time, I guess, the viral story, if you will, of John the Baptist is that there's this crazy guy living out in the woods. He's eating locusts. He's wearing... Uh, clothes of camel hair, He is, this guy is radical, and he's talking about a message of repentance. His message is repent for the kingdom of God is near. John is preaching this message to a people who are expecting maybe a different outcome. It's interesting what happens, and we're going to look at it today, but John is a radical figure. And he's somebody that everybody knows about. He's, come, he's become massively popular, and he's not one who's on a big preaching circuit. So he's not going from town to town. He is staying where he is, preaching one message, and the people are coming to him. In fact, they're coming to him to be ceremonial, ceremonially cleaned as an outward display of their repentance toward God. And so he's baptizing people, which is why he's called John the Baptist, and dunking them in the water, cleansing them, and telling them, now repent and walk forth in what God has for you. What is repentance? So in order to get at, re- at repentance, first we have to understand, what is obedience? So here's something I do with my kids. You can think for yourself right now. What, how do you define obedience? Just take 10 seconds, think about it. What is obedience? Trusting the Lord is good, yeah. Here's what I tell my kids. Obedience. And I have them say this. I say, I say, daughter, let's take Eden this time, because I feel like I'm always picking on Jonah. Eden, not picking on him, but Jonah, he's a character. He's like John the Baptist. You know. He's eating locusts and stuff, so not literally. So I'll say Eden, I'll say sweetheart, what is obedience? And she's, she'll recite, because we say it a lot. Obedience is doing what you're told right away with a good attitude. That's obedience. Doing what you're told right away with a good attitude. Because you can do it tomorrow, or you can have a bad attitude. you ever done that in front of your mom? Oh, clean my room. It does not go well, does it? It does not go well. Because the heart attitude is important. So obedience is doing what you're told right away with a good attitude. Well, what had God told the people to do? He told the people, I want you to be holy. That means set apart. I want you to be completely different in your lifestyle and the way that you live. I want you to represent me by the way that you speak life to people, the way that you love your neighbor. I want all your weights and balances when you do business. I don't want you to fill up a gallon of milk and say, oh, it's full, when there's this much air in there. I want it to be exactly right. I don't want you to say, this is five ounces of whatever my product is, and that five ounces is actually four ounces, because you're using fake weights. He said, don't do that. He said, I want you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. I want you to love me, in fact, God said, with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength, everything. I want all of you, and I want you to live perfectly as I'm perfect. And so God's character of perfection, of love, of uh, high standards in everything that he does, never tells a lie. It's not in his character. It's not part of him. He is not lying. It's just not in him. He is truth. He wants his people to be truth. Well, they fall short pretty quick, don't they? We fall short pretty quick, don't we? Because Jesus said, if we love him, then we will obey him. Everything that he said. And what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's easy to not love your neighbor as yourself. It's easy to try to manipulate your neighbor sometimes when there's something that you want because you love yourself more. And it's in all of us. Everybody falls short. So we see already that people are not obedient, they didn't do what they were told. They definitely didn't do it right away, and they had bad attitudes. Sounds like us. So John is telling them they need to repent. They need a change of that. What does it mean to say you're sorry? So take 10 seconds again. What do you think, how would you define that? How do you define I'm sorry? Here's what I tell Eden. I say, Eden, what does it mean to say I'm sorry? And she says... She says, I feel bad for what I did, I won't do it again. I say, that's right. You feel bad for what you did, because there's a component of repentance that's contrition, right? I feel, I feel about this, I'm convicted about it. I realize that I did something wrong. Forgive me, I'm sorry. But then if you do it again right away, there's a problem, isn't there? So repentance, the, the actual you know, word, if you look at sort of the translated original languages here in Greek and Hebrew, is literally to turn away from. So if you're walking a certain direction, and you're doing something, let's say um, in my house, you know Eden is upset because her brothers won't let her play on the little tablet or the Xbox or whatever, and so she's angry, and so she threw it on the ground, the controller on the ground, and she stormed off. I said, sweetheart, that's not how we do it. Come back. Don't throw the controller at your brother. We're gonna. What do you say to him? I'm sorry. And then five minutes later, she's throwing the controller again. Right? This is. Everybody knows this is what it's like, right? And you can even translate that to the coworker that you're exchanging emails with. It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? It's funny how God uses children to reveal what's in our own hearts sometimes. And so I'll say, sweetheart, what does it mean to say I'm sorry? I feel bad for what I did, I'm not gonna do it again. So that means instead of throwing the remote at her brother, she's gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself, I'm gonna love my brother, here's the remote, you take a turn. And I'm trusting that the Lord will give me a turn, too. Because I know him, I know the creator of all things. So you take this turn, I'm happy for you. And then it will be my turn. And when it's my turn, I know, because you love Jesus, too, you're gonna be excited for me that it's my turn and not begrudgingly throw the remote at me now, because your five minutes are up when the timer goes off. Which is usually how it goes, isn't it? Little kids. But to turn away from means that there's gonna be this, not just, hey, I won't, I promise that I'm not going to steal your mail anymore. Or I'm going I'm to mess with your house or I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to throw the remote. It's not just a promise that you're not going to do something bad. It's a turning away from. When you turn away from something, you turn toward something, don't you? And so it's a turning to the character of God and what He's said to do and trusting him and saying, Lord, you have power beyond me. Everything in me wants to throw this controller at my brother's face. And so instead, I'm going to die to myself and take my selfishness away and let it drain away, and Lord, I'll walk into your character. Let me be like you. So this, we don't talk about this a lot, do we, in forgiveness and repentance? This is the secret to marriage, by the way, the secret to marriage. Lord, let me be like you to my spouse instead of me selfishly. Lord, let the way I love my spouse demonstrate your love to, to her that she would know your love by how I love her. Lord, let me not walk in selfishness and what I want, but instead, Lord, let me walk into the ways that you want. It's so different, isn't it? It's so foreign. It's so much better in every way. But that's what it means to repent. And so here's John. He's in the wilderness. He's eating weird bugs. He's, he's got crazy clothes on. He's washing people in these baptisms by dunking them in the water. And he's telling them, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the people are just enthralled by this guy. And some of them have received the baptism and they are waiting and they're watching and they're learning and they're coming back to the law and they're excited about it. Other people are just there because everybody else is there. They just want to get hopefully washed so they look good because that's the popular thing to do. Everybody's doing TikTok videos, so i got to do one too. And so they all want to be there. They all want to be on the front edge of what's cool culturally. But John has a different agenda. He's got a different thing. Let's read... In the book of John here, chapter 1, verse 19. Let's read together what it says. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now John, praise the Lord for his word. Now John is answering the people that are coming saying, who are you? And the first thing that they're having on their mind is that he is the Christ. Now that term, the Christ, is a uh, Greek term for a Israelite idea in Hebrew, which is the Messiah, this king that was foretold that would come. So at Christmas time, we always talk about, uh, you know, God will send his son and the government will be upon his shoulders and all these kind of things, right? This is what they're expecting. They're expecting this Messiah, this king, this savior who will come. And the Christ, the Savior, the one that will come, will redeem God's people and usher them into a new era of peace, an era of prosperity in the world where his kingdom never ends and his government always expands and and God's people are filled up To do great things in the earth. And in fact, and it's mysterious because they don't understand, but God's going to make them a kingdom of priests somehow and write his word on their very heart where they're going to be a people who are full of God and full of his life and full of his law and full of his word. And they're going to do mighty things and it's going to be amazing. And so they come to John and they say, is that you? Are you the Christ? Because he's exciting. He's out in the woods. He's wearing crazy clothes. He's baptizing people. And John says quickly, I'm not Christ. I'm not the Christ. So then they say, okay, well, who are you? So they ask him this funny question. Are you Elijah? Why would they ask him if he's Elijah? Do you remember who Elijah is? He's a prophet from the Old Testament. He was a really important guy. He prophesied a lot of things, and God used him mightily to do uh, mighty works where he would demonstrate that the Lord was God and the false idols were not God and he brought the people back to some righteousness and he helped establish the nation of Israel before they walked into a bunch of disobedience. And so Elijah was an important guy and Elijah got swept up by God away. He didn't die normally. And so there's this idea of maybe he's Elijah come back. Maybe Elijah showed up again and this is going to be this time. Why would that be so important to the people? Because Elijah's role was restoring God's covenant to the people that they would walk in his righteousness, that they would again prosper as a nation and not know God's judgment because the judgment that came upon them was being carried away by foreign nations. They were militarily beat down and their nation was taken away from them. And the people living in this time are experiencing that same thing because they're living under Roman oppression. So they know what it's like To have the roman legions at their doors they know what it's like to have to serve people who at any moment because they are sub a sub class of humans in the roman empire at any moment they can be called on for labor or for work or struck or whatever there's all kind of things that can happen to them living under roman rule was not easy for them and they're outside jerusalem in this great place that used to be so glorious where they knew their history and and how god had used them and the promised land he'd given them and how he had given them victories and all these wonderful things and now they're living in in oppression now they're living away from that prosperity that they had hoped for so they ask him are you the christ he said no maybe he's elijah because that's what elijah did he talked about bringing back the good things that we would know god's grace again is that who you are But do you see the common thread? The common thread here is, are you the one who's going to redeem us from our oppression? Are you the one who's gonna lift us up as a nation? Are you the one who's going to give us prosperity again? Are you the one who's going to elevate us to a place of great influence in the world instead of being under Rome's thumb? He says no. So they ask him, are you the prophet? What does that mean? Do you notice that the P is capitalized? What they're asking him is, are you Moses come back? Has God gifted you like he gifted Moses? He's saying that because Moses said there's going to be another one who's going to come after me who will redeem my people. He's talking about the Christ about the Messiah who's going to come but they're expecting this this great prophet like Moses are you him? Are you him born again? That you've come back to us? That you're going to lead us again? Just like God saved us from Egypt maybe now you're going to save us from Rome are you the prophet? He says, I'm not the prophet. So what's their question? Well, then why are you baptizing people? What are you doing out here? If you're not going to lead us from the oppression that we are feeling now under Rome, if you're not going to deliver us to a place of influence and prosperity and goodness, if you're not going to put us out from under the thumb of all the armies that are oppressing us, if you're not the military leader, if you can't call on God to part the Red Sea, if you can't call on God to have fire come down and burn down your enemies, if you can't do all those things, and if you're not the Christ who's coming, who's going to deliver us, then why are you even baptizing? And what does he say? He says, I'm one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Why is he saying this? Because God has a bigger plan a plan that encompasses all nations, a plan that's bigger than just John, a plan that's even bigger than Israel itself. Let's read on in John 1, verse 29. John 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes one who ranks before me, because he was before me. John's proclamation here is massive, is massive. And the first thing he says to the people is, behold, the military leader that's going to deliver us. Behold, the beautiful man. He's so perfect in all his ways. He'll be so popular that he's going to give us favor with the Romans. Behold, the one who's so charismatic in all he does that he's going to be our leader and he's going to deliver us through politics and it's going to be amazing. Behold, the one who will solve all of our problems. He doesn't say any of that. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because John has one message, and his one message is, turn away from your disobedience. Come back to God, remember his oaths, remember his covenant, remember what he said, remember his character, remember who he is, and stop hoping for just deliverance from all these things from oppression and from feeling like you're under somebody's thumb and instead come back to God, the source of all life, and say, Lord, I belong to you. Forgive me. I turn away from all my sin. I'm sorry for what I did. I won't do it again. I want to walk your way. I want my heart to bleed with your grace, and I want my heart in all things to respond to you quickly. That, Lord, I will do whatever you say. Whatever you say, I will do it right away and with a good attitude because you've called me and because I belong to you. That's what it means, repent. And why should we repent? Because the kingdom of heaven is coming. And then he sees Jesus. You know, Jesus is his cousin. He's seen him before. He says it twice, though. I saw him, but I did not know him. Because all of a sudden he realizes in this moment as God speaks to him as a prophet, he sees the spirit descend on Jesus and remain on him. And all of a sudden he sees him not just as his cousin who he grew up with, but this man is God The very Son of God, it's Him become flesh. He is the Lamb of God, and He's going to take away that sin because we cannot do it. We have fallen short, and even with washings, and even with baptism, and even with all the things that we try to do and say, Lord, forgive me, I turn. Lord, I I feel bad for what I did. I won't do it again. And two days later, we'll do it again. And we say, Lord, I can't. I can't do it. Help me. How do I walk this out? And so God sent his own son, Jesus, who would be the perfect lamb, the sacrifice who would die because his blood would be enough, because his life would be our substitute, because he whose sandal we are unworthy to untie would live a perfect life for us and would die though innocent as the traitor that we are. The gospel shines so bright But here's the beautiful thing, we live in a time where everybody wants to know, who are you, what do you represent? Do you represent Biden? Do you represent Trump? Do you represent independent? Do you represent abortion? Do you represent pro-life? Do you represent, what do you represent? Who are you, tell me what your message is. Why are you telling people to repent? Why are you telling them the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Why are you saying these things? Everybody wants to know. And John, he doesn't waver in his message because God has commissioned him To make straight the path of the Lord because Jesus is coming. And so that the people there would recognize Jesus the same way that he recognizes Jesus and they would see him and know this is the Son of God. Who do you represent? Are you willing to take your life, to take your obedience, your attitude, your action, and your work and put it in the hands of a politician? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take your life and put it in the hands of a party? You already belong to a party. You belong to him. And I don't care what your politics are because we can discuss those. There's a place for debate and discussion and, and being respectful and helping each other. There's a place for big emotions, all those things. But in a time where everything is so divisive, what is our message? Is our message Trump will save us? Is our message Biden will save us? Is our message you reap what you sow? You're in for it now. Or is our message we've had all this hard time and now we're reaping all the things we've sown? It's, it's all over the place, isn't it? How do you navigate that? I'm encouraging you, people of God, don't fall on the same lies that were in the people of Israel. Coming to see, are you the one that's going to deliver us? Show us where you stand. Let's stand up for Jesus. Let's stand up for the kingdom. Let's, let's proclaim the goodness of the gospel of God, which is the way of salvation for everyone, whether Democrat or Republican or Independent or Libertarian or whatever. It's the gospel of Jesus that we need. It diffuses all situations. It also creates riots. Because the moment you say, we are sinners, we have disobeyed, you have disobeyed, man, it strikes right at the heart of the people, doesn't it? But who are we standing up for? I'm encouraging us in this time, rather than feeling like we need to retreat away, let's stand up for Jesus. So Let's remember his oaths. Let's remember what he said. Let's remember the kingdom and let's stand for God and let our attitudes and our obedience and how we love him and how we live for him, it just, it flows out of us because our whole allegiance and heart is to Jesus. Let's remember our own baptisms that we were washed clean and sealed by the Holy Spirit himself because the Son of God came for us. He died for us to make us his own. He rose again and it's his life that we now live. Let's remember and proclaim like John. Do you know this Jesus? I've seen him. He's the son of God. He's the lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. Let me, introduce him to you. Let me introduce you to him that you might know him. Let that be our proclamation. Because in this time, no matter what you say, it will get you in trouble. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or whatever. You're always going to find people who want to fight with you. Listen, there's a lot of nasty stuff in this nation. And we got to have solutions for it, and we pray for our politicians that they would know God's peace, that they would know his salvation, that would walk in his way. But God's solution is you, his ambassadors, the church. The Israelites thought that this great military leader would come who would change everything. And instead, God sent his own son who would die like a lamb going to slaughter. But then he filled us with his spirit that we would be his ambassadors, that we would speak on his behalf, that we would instruct people and disciple them. What did Jesus said? He said, go out therefore and make disciples of everyone in all nations, then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Into what? Into repentance, into him, into his, his gospel, into Jesus as our source of salvation, that we trust him into him, and teaching them that they would obey everything that he said. That's what will change our world. The Lord's with us. I'm telling us all this because the temptation to retreat or the temptation to shout are both very strong. The big question is, we're retreating to where? Shouting for what? Because our world is all over the place and no matter what you say, especially if you say it online, is going to get misconstrued and broken into all kinds of things and it's not going to help you. So what do we do? Let's be faithful to what God said. When I, I feel powerless sometimes. How do, how do you change things? Well, let's change our neighbors. Let's change our world. Let's change everyone we meet. Because everywhere we go, we exude the life of God. And everywhere we go, we remind people of the gospel. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's our only salvation. And he's the lamb of God. Amen? I'm going to pray for you now that God will fill you with wisdom in this time. That you would see his kingdom clearly. Maybe your heart has been so full of the news lately that it's just weighing you down. Maybe you're just full of sadness for our nation, for all kind of things. Maybe you're full of hope at the excitement of maybe a new government and that it might change things. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you're, who knows, wherever you're at, it doesn't really matter. Whether you're elated, whether you're disappointed, let's come to Jesus. And let's find our hope and our rock in him who is the king. Let's pray. Worship team, if you can come up. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you for your peace that only comes through the gospel. Thank you that you didn't send a military leader to free Israel from the Romans. But Lord, you sent your champion. You sent your king. You sent your son. You sent the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world that we all might know you, we all might be, might be brought into your kingdom, we all might be called your sons, we all might be filled with your spirit. Lord, we are so in love with you. Lord, fill us with wisdom and what to say to our neighbors. Lord, fill us with wisdom that the first thing that comes out of our mouth isn't critical or isn't, isn't uh, political, but Lord, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is the kingdom of God. Lord, then help us to be wise in every debate that we have, and everything we talk about, whether it's politics or life or whatever, That we would represent you father help us to be wise in all the things we do and lord we pray for our leaders god that every one of them would bow the knee to you and lord that our government every person would follow your way and that they would know in the depths of their heart in their mind in their very being Lord, that you are speaking to them and holding them to your standard father lord we ask you that your word would go forth god to bring righteousness and peace and joy Lord, amongst all of our people in the United States. Father, we need you. And Lord, for us here, would make us faithful to be ambassadors for you, for your gospel, to everyone we meet in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your blessing and your peace. We look to you and we know that you are with us. Amen.